Doing it live on a Tuesday. It is the Dubcast. Bo Bishop, Johnny Ginter, and one two one two. That's right. Buckeye Hall of Famer Scooney Penn joining us on the on the program tonight. And um, many reasons to get Scooney Penn foremost because he's the smartest guy I know on basketball in the state of Ohio. And we have a conundrum. <laughs> we have a conundrum on our hands. Twelve. And it's uh, look. Johnny and I talk about this. Johnny, good to hear from you, buddy. As always, by the way. Hello. Um, we, we do this, you know, we've been doing this for like a month on Ohio State basketball, and um, I think we have a pretty good handle on maybe why we're here, um, but but we, we need we need the help of a Hall of Famer on this, my friend. So uh, let, me, let me tell a quick story, and then this will lead into the first question for you, and that is this. The okay. first time I got to know Scooney Penn was when Ohio State made the run to the Final Four, Jared Selinger's sophomore year. Scooney had come back from Europe and had moved back to the Columbus area and started doing television with us. And that year, Ohio State went, uh, in the tournament, they were in Pittsburgh, in Boston, and New Orleans. Uh, before that, they were in the Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis. So Scooney hung out with us at Channel Ten, like what Scoon, like four or five days a week for a month, pretty much. Yeah, in that that, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of those places was Boston, which was his hometown. I'll tell yeah. a very quick story. We are at the airport in Boston, and we're going to get a rental car. And the guy who's doing the rental car recognizes Scooney. And gives him a free upgrade. I think he gave you a free car too. Like he remembered yeah, you got, from I high got, school. I got the hookup. Mm-hmm. You got the hookup. <laughs> you I got the hookup. It's great. And then you were driving us around Boston. It, it was great. It was the best time ever. Like everybody in Boston knew you. You knew the back streets. The be- all these were. I mean, you grew up there, so you, it was great. And yeah. um, so that was the, the the. I told you that story so I can get to this question. How do we get to a point, Scooney? And this is a long, uh, a complicated uh, question that probably has a complicated answer. But how do we get from a point where you're talking about the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament, the next year you're in the Final Four, the year that I'm speaking of, and the next year mm-hmm. in the Elite Eight, and now you're five and ten in Big Ten play, and haven't really been relevant on the national scene for a very long time? How did how did this happen from your perspective? Um, it's a number of things. Um, and, and everyone wants to say it's, well, the one and done, you know, D'Angelo Russell came and left. Uh, that's not the problem. You know, Ohio State is a big enough brand. It has all the resources that you can ask for, that this can be a school where you can get one and done to come and go, but you also get some other good recruits that hang around. And it could be something that can be ongoing every single year being very competitive, which we've seen Thad had the program at that level for a long time. Now, I think what hurt this program was the recruiting class of six years ago. That was the one with Shannon Scott, mm-hmm. Amir Williams, right. Sam Thompson, uh, LaQuinton Ross. Um, am I missing anybody? Trey McDonald. That was that recruiting class. That was supposed to be a big hit. There were, what, three, four all McDonald's All-Americans on that team, yeah. and they didn't pan out. And what happened was, and, and I've talked to a lot of people about this. Some agree, some disagree. But I'm very convinced, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that that year when all those players came and they sat the bench, that was a downfall of the program. Reason being is look at the recruits that decided to come to Ohio State after that. Only one really was a big hit, which was D'Angelo Russell. The rest Mm -hmm. were okay. Reason why is don't think that national television, these young players aren't watching a game saying, there's McDonald's All-Americans, they're not playing. No, when you come out of Mm -hmm. high school and you're a stud, you want to make sure you play. 
And prime example of that is, obviously, I grew up in the Boston area. I played for BABC, um, a Boston program. And, I mean, the top program in Mass, one of the top programs in the country for AAU basketball. AAU, right, Scott? AAU, yes. And I yeah, played just for, for our listeners who aren't familiar. Yep, and, and, we, and we had a factory, and he still has a factory. And, you know, the class with Nerlens Noel and Michael Carter-Williams and um, uh, who is it, Jordan Yang. I can go on with a number of names mm-hmm. that guys are coming from there. Well, Ohio State was recruiting these guys. Ohio State wanted some of these guys. So, obviously, I'm a pipeline to BABC. So I called, you know, the coach, the guy who runs the program, who saw it all, Leo Papil, and I said, Leo, um, you know, what's up with uh, some of the guys? You know, talk to him about them in Ohio State. And I can't repeat what he said verbatim, what he said to me, <laughs> but it was more like no way because <laughs> Ohio State doesn't play freshmen. I'm not trying to talk none of my guys into going there. Man. And that's wow. big. Now, when you hear that, you know that that is going around throughout the country because these young players look and say, well, why would I go there? I'm not going to play. Well, I'd rather go to Michigan now because Michigan is playing guys. Right. Trey Burke jumps on the scene, and he hands the ball to Trey Burke, and he takes off. Glenn Robinson Jr., you know, Stauskas, they start now. They start doing what Ohio State was doing. So I think it started right there with the recruiting. Now we still have some good players, not taking nothing away from the guys out of there now. But what was led into, what's led up to now is you cannot show me a definitive leader that had control of this team and can take them to the promised land. And when you're a struggling team, and you don't have many seniors, you have one senior who doesn't really talk, who doesn't really like to lead, that's not his thing, you're going to struggle because these young guys have a hard time following someone. When the games are tight, they're like deers in headlights because no one knows what to do. No one takes over. Too many mistakes at the end of games. Yes, some of that is on the coaches, but also the players have to take accountability as well. So number of things. But I'm starting with that recruiting class. That started the downfall, I believe, because a talent level that was coming to Ohio State before that and with that class has not been the same ever since. There's been one hit since then, and that's D'Angelo Russell. He had one great season, All-American, first team, gone, number two pick in the NBA. After that, I think we're equal to just about everyone else in Ohio when it comes to recruiting. Man, that's so, that's, that's why I wanted to have him on. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> that's why I wanted to have him on because – Damn. You know, Johnny, we can talk and, and we're not alone. Other people, you talk about, you know, that class didn't develop that class. Right. That's the first time I've heard anybody say, no, 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 that class didn't play. Right. Yeah. That was so the problem because I don't care how, you know, when you're coming out of high school, you're a stud and, and, and these guys don't play. I don't care how hard you work. If you don't get to put that experience on the court in action, it's a done deal. Like, I, you can say Shannon Scott didn't develop. You can say Shan, uh, Sam didn't develop. You know, okay, maybe they didn't. But here's the thing. These guys didn't get a shot their freshman year. They sat the bench a whole freshman year. Yeah. That is vital time. Then then what you do, you're killing their confidence. Sophomore year, they got a little more time. Junior year, they started to play. A guy like Shannon was second fiddle to Aaron Kraft. He played out of position at the two when he's a one, and he can't even shoot like a two. These guys are losing confidence. They're hearing all the whispers from their friends at home, where they came from, because one came from Mississippi, another from Atlanta, another from Detroit, another from Chicago. And they hear all the whispers from their state, like, man, why are you there? You're not even playing. You were all world here. Now you're there. You don't even get on the court. These guys lost confidence. I watch these guys every summer coming to the gym, play ball, and every year they look worse than the year they did before. 
Because when they came to Ohio State, they looked like studs. Then they didn't play all season. They looked like totally different people. And one thing in sports, as we know, confidence is very vital. If you have confidence, I don't care who you are, you're going to go out there and you're going to shine. If not, you're going to fake it till you make it. But if you don't right. have no confidence, you can't even do that. <laughs> and I think that class lost total confidence in their own ability. So when it came time for those guys to shine as seniors, no, that was all lost. Now you want to give them the ball? You want to tell these guys, go ahead and play? Be the stars we want you to? No, when I held you back the three previous years, it just doesn't work that way. Not at all. Man, that's nuts. Here's Okay, so Scooney, here's my question then. Thad Mata's mm-hmm. got to see that happening, right? Like, what? Mm-hmm. what is... Why would he not adjust what he wants to do in seeing those kids lose confidence, maybe not get the playing time that they want, and maybe start to put their heads down a little bit? Well, here's the thing, and, and it's tough because it's not a knock on the guys that were there as well because they were good players, right. but he trusts Aaron Kraft. Aaron Kraft could do no wrong. Aaron Kraft wasn't coming out of game regardless if he couldn't shoot and teams went under the screen or play him at the free throw line. Aaron Kraft was going to play. Lindsey Smith was dependable. He was uh, older than them. He played great defense. He wasn't going to be – he wasn't going to lose you a game. He was going to play hard. See what I'm saying? So it was hard to get those guys right. on the court. He didn't trust in those guys being young guys. He trusted in the guys that he knew and says, here, you guys go out there and play, even if we're going to be mediocre. I would have me – I would have gave these other guys a chance. So I'm like, you know what, we might struggle at some point, but they're talented enough to get us where we want to go later on. You have to see the bigger picture. Obviously, they had to be talented enough to become all McDonald's All-Americans for you to recruit these guys so hard that you didn't take kids from your own backyard and you went out and got those guys. That They must have been something. You've seen something in them. Uh, but when they got here, they just didn't pan out. They didn't play. And, um, you know, ultimately, I think that was a demise of the program. I think that led us to where we're at now because look at it. It's hard to get these good-time recruits here. Before, it was no problem. They were coming. Like clockwork, and now it, it, it's tough. You know, we're not even, I don't know, we're not even in the top in the Big Ten with recruiting class coming in the next year. So I don't see this getting any better. Well, Schoon, and that's the next step. So you said something that was very interesting. You said you took these kids from these McDonald's All-Americans over kids in your own state, and that is something that Buckeye mm-hmm. fans will lament often. And you can name the kids. I mean, Wisconsin's got four Ohio kids on their roster. Yep. Uh, we can talk about Luke Kennard, although to me that was fool's gold. If Duke's going to offer, you're going to go to Duke. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you're ever going to get Luke Kennard to go to Ohio State. I mean, he's on campus like 50 times, and he wanted to be, look. He wanted to play at Duke, so I'm, I'm not. Yeah. That's you can't get them all. Um, but you hear about Trey, you hear about Karis Levert, so forth and so on. Um, I, the thing that's interesting to me is t- if you're going to get it back on track, what's the roadmap to do that? And and what I mean by that, I guess the next the, the the piggyback question of that is, what is the identity of this program? Because Thad built this program off of Connolly and Odin and Cook. That class set it mm-hmm. all up. That he landed those guys, and and then as as you point out, that class was the one that you're mentioning, uh, the Shannon Scott, LaQuentin Ross class was really the last great class he's had. Um, he had that one yep. class that he missed, like Grandstaff and Mitchell. All those kids are just all they ran them all out. Um, but but in terms of like getting McDonald's All American can't miss guys, that Shannon Scott class was really the last one in terms of getting a big class like that. So so what is this program? What is the Ohio State program? Is the Ohio State? I mean, he get Thad. I love him. He gets paid as a top ten coach in the NCAA. Is is mm-hmm. is the Ohio State program one that should be able to go toe to toe with Kentucky and Carolina and Duke, or is the Ohio State program more more similarly linked to what 
and I'm not saying from a style of ball, but to what the way Wisconsin builds over four years with players or the way that Michigan builds with Beeline over years with players? Or is it Izzo where you get one or two big guys and you have some program guys that are underneath them? What's what's the roadmap to fix this? And it's, I guess the follow-up question is, is Thad Mata capable of, of drawing that roadmap? Well, here it is. Like I think you made some great examples. I don't think Ohio State is the Blue Bloods. Uh, no, you're not going to be Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, Kansas. They stand alone. Then the next tier, Michigan State, Ohio State is there. That's where we are. Um, I think Ohio State is is a is a one B to them one A's. Mm-hmm. And, and and like I said at the beginning, we have all the resources. We have everything you want. Um, we have the alumni base. We have the city itself. Because if you go around to the throughout the country and you go to these major universities. Not many of them in the city. You have an unbelievable city in Columbus that supports unbelievably. It's a great recruiting tool. Um, that's why I said like this school is second to none when it comes to recruiting. Bring us, bring a, bring a recruit here, a 17-year-old here during the football season, and watch a football game in the shoe, and they'll probably sign on the line. You know, just get them yeah. here because you know that's what you have here. This place is a machine. So we have all that. Now, what's it gonna take? It's going to take a heck of a recruiting class, and I don't see it coming right now. The kids that committed for from the 18 class, not happening. None of them right now are top 50. I think I think they might make top 60 because the ESPN comes out to top 60. I think Dane Goodwin and uh, Bayless, I think they're both in there, but they're like uh, 59 and 50-something. They're high 50s. So we don't have any guys that are coming in that's going to be program changes like a D'Angelo Russell, like a Jared Soldier, like a Conley and, and Odin. You know, they, we don't have those guys on the, uh, on the horizon. But I think what it's going to take is it's going to take conquering your own backyard. I think what it's going to have to do is say, hey, look, I have to get the best player from this state every year. He can't leave. You cannot allow the best players in this state to leave no more. And then you have to get some role players that will develop into really good players. Mm-hmm. But and that's only the beginning. And you have to land a stud from somewhere else. And that's what we've been, ha- we've been having a hard time doing that lately, is landing a stud, a five-star player from outside of the area. And, and I'm sorry to say, guys, I don't see how quickly this can happen. Um, you know, I'm a fan of Sad, like like most of us are, but it's very hard to see um, this being changed or turning around in the next year or two because they just don't have the pieces, and I don't see the pieces coming in. So the next question is, you know, where where does the program go? Where do we go right. from here? Right. It, it's very <laughs> hard to say. It, it's hard to say. There's so many questions, and you know, I do my thing on a radio show Monday nights that we talk all Ohio State basketball. Obviously, I'm around here, so. I hear a lot of the talk. I get asked a lot of the questions. And obviously, everyone's talking about Sad and his job. Is it on the line? Can he get it done? And, you know, you hope he can. But realistically, guys, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that. how much – then how much slack do they give him, right? I mean, ultimately, he's got a lot of cachet build up for what he's done in the past. But 
high stakes about winning. Like they they want a guy in mm-hmm. there who's gonna bring in people in the you know in the arena and, and fill up seats and it's giant and you mm-hmm. got to get as many people in there as possible. How much slack do they give the guy? I mean, this I I have to believe to give him another year, but man, that last loss was bad. Like a lot of people are calling for his head now. So I mean, how much slack do you think he gets? I I don't know. Like Gene's an excellent guy. I mean, I yeah. love Gene as an athletic director, the best in the country. And Gene's about winning, not just the basketball and football program. All the programs win. And right. I know a lot of people don't pay a lot of attention to all the other sports, but when they don't win, those coaches get fired. And I know Gene sits in that arena, and he sees that the Nebraska game, which is on a Saturday, and there's probably 8,000 people in there. That's not mm-hmm. a good look for Ohio State. Right. Not at all. And, and, and you know, you have to start to question that. So I, I don't – I can't – I really wish I knew the answer to, to uh, Gene's mindset and, and how long of a leash that Mata has. This is going to be one of these things where at the end of the season, um, I think they'll have a sit-down, and I think they'll come to an agreement on what's best for the program, whether that's with that Mata or without that Mata. But I am fully confident that um, you know Gene and, and his staff and the decision-makers, they will do what's best for the program, and that's what we all want. Couple of things on that schoon. Did you see Thad's post game after the loss to Nebraska? Did you see no, the tape of it? Did you hear the audio? No. Nope. Where, where he says, "I'm dumbfounded." I did not hear the audio as well. Yeah, nope. I read the transcript, and today we did the television show um, on Spectrum Sports, the Eleven Warriors Report, and we ran the video. And I've known Thad a long time, and I hosted a show and and got to know him pretty well. Not the way you know him, but pretty well. And the Thad motto that I saw in that post game was something I've never seen before, and was. Uh, unrecognizable, basically acknowledged he, he had no answer. At one point, he basically says, "I have I have no answer," and that he's dumbfounded, and um and that's a tough look. That's a hard look. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something else, and and this is where people above Gene get involved, and that is when tickets and and gate yeah. and money that we're in college foot college athletics is big business, mm-hmm. and you have if there was eight thousand for Nebraska, there was five at Rutgers. I mean, that was even worse. Um, there, this is embarrassing to the university. Okay. So if we can acknowledge Thad's never looked the way he looked that those attendance numbers are embarrassing. The other thing I know about Thad is he is, he is like anybody in his position who's accomplished what he's accomplished would be incredibly prideful. And, Mm -hmm. and there is a belief in Thad Mata that he built the modern Ohio state program. And I can't argue with that. I can't argue that he built it, that he built the modern program. His my belief is if that conversation takes place between Gene or somebody bigger than him and they walk into an office with Thad Mata and they say, what has happened here can't continue, they will get incredible pushback from Thad Mata. I believe his attitude, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'd curious to get your take. I believe his attitude will be, Who in the blue hell are you to tell me how to run this program? Are you aware of what I've done here? That will that's my belief how Thad will handle that. So then the question becomes. Does it escalate to the point where Thad has shown the door or he walks out on his own? Are there changes to the coaching staff? But I do not think that will be a pleasant conversation for Gene Smith to have or Thad Mata to receive in any way, shape, or form because of the way that those two men's personalities are made out. I mean, you put that so good. You really did. And, and I agree 100%. I think the pushback would be enormous. And I think that's exactly what Thad would say. Like, who do you think you are? Like, I've yeah. this. You know, I, I really believe it. And, and he has... He has a little bit of wiggle room to say that. He really does. But on the flip side of things, 
only for so long. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you're getting paid very well. Top you're getting 10. paid to win games. Let's let's compare you to everyone that's in your tax bracket in college basketball. <laughs> and I guarantee you that all those guys will be in the NCAA tournament this year. And they probably was there last year and the year before. In the cases Ohio State wasn't there last year, and we probably won't make it this year as well unless no. we win the Big Ten tournament. So they can look at that and say, hey, look at the track record. You haven't done much lately, and we can't stand for this. You know I mean? And here's the thing. I say it all the time. It's very different with Ohio State basketball. If Ohio State is North Carolina, if it's Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, one of the Blue Bloods where basketball is your main sport, you can stay there like Bayheim at Syracuse 20 years, 25 years. Ohio State is not – basketball is not the number one sport. For course of the last 10 years here, keep the program engaged and great crowds and everyone loving it, to last 13, 15 years is very hard to do. Unless you've got a national championship under your belt, that's hard to do. You can't find many programs where coaches will stay that long that aren't a basketball powerhouses and that's their main sport. It just doesn't happen. So after a while, you wear out your welcome, and it's time for you to go. But here's the thing now. With Ohio State, there's so many little problems because what are you going to do, fire Fad? You've got to pay him probably, what, $6 million or so, something around there? Yeah, I'm sure. That's I don't know what the buyout money. is, but I'm sure. And you got to pay his contract. And they wouldn't want it to be yeah. ugly anyway, Schoon. I mean, you know the people involved. Nobody wants this to be yeah, ugly. you don't want it to be ugly. You no. don't. You don't want to be ugly because, I mean, you know, if we're going to talk about the financial side of things, we're like, well, let's say just say the price tag for the whole Thadmata being gone is $7 million. But then you're going to hire a new coach, and you're going to pay him at least two, two and a half. Yeah, That's oh, a $9 sure. million dollar hit or so. You know, so I know they're looking at that, the, the economic side of things. With those numbers, um, I think they would love for him to go out as a champ, you know, on top, you know, very respectful for what he's done for this program. Because I do believe that Mata should, you know, it should say, I don't know what number you put up there, but it say Thad Mata and he should go up in the rafters. I really believe that. I think he's done a great job for this program. Yeah. Um, and you don't want it to go bad. But I can't see this ending nicely unless Dad. Mm-hmm. Goes out Unless he sees turn. it, Schoon. Unless he sees it. Yeah. And I I mean he gotta see it. We all see it, don't we? I know, but yeah. it's so hard to see your own flaws, man. Like that's but that you know, guys, that's mm-hmm. what that I, I encourage you if you can find well, the show will be on uh this week on Spectrum Sports. It's it, it you'll it's in the second segment of the show. We run the audio of him after that mm-hmm. after the loss to Nebraska. I encourage you to watch it because what you will see okay, yeah. is a defeated man. I mean it I, I've never seen him like it ever. I mean, after bad losses. I mean, they lost. He had the number one overall team. He had the, his best team, in my opinion, his best team at Ohio State. Sullinger's freshman year, they lose to Kentucky um, yeah. on a Diebler doesn't get a kind of doesn't get a shot off, and they they really played one of the only teams that could beat them that year, which was, was Kentucky. Um, ironically, Carolina was the other one. They're both in their bracket, but um, but he was not that despondent after that as he was to, the, to that loss to Nebraska. It, it felt, guys, like, boys, I'm out of, I'm out of guesses. I can't yeah. fix it. That's what it felt like to well, me. Well, 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 Bo, he's been like that for the last month. Right. He's been like that. You know, and I see him in the office or, you know, I go see him. It, it, it's tough. And this is what I have to say to him because I sent him some text messages here and there. I think he's doing a tremendous job. I think, well, what I mean by this, I think he's poaching his tail off. It's not like he's yeah. just sitting there watching the ship go down. He's right. actually out there 
you know, going crazy. He's actually trying to push every button with these young men, and it's just not working right now. So I, I can't say that, you know, it's not lack of work with, with Sad and his crew. After a while, it some things fall on deaf ears. It does. Yeah. You know, guys get accustomed to it or, or, you know, what you're selling, people are not buying anymore. Because how often does it happen when a new, you know, a new car lot opens up? The salesmen are on fire. They're selling everything. But after a while, it dies down because you hear the same stuff. You see the same commercial over and over again. Mm -hmm. That kind of sounds like what's going on here. He was able to sell kids a, a bill of goods, and we got unbelievable recruits, and we won a lot of games. But that hasn't been happening lately. So, you know, things change. They really do. Man, and so my comment on that, I got two things. First of all, I completely agree with you on that because if you've tried everything, you've seen it over the past month where – you know, he's he's talking up some players one time or he's saying, all right, maybe we have to refocus or, or re, you know, take a different approach on a game or something like that. Clearly, it's not having a huge effect. And that's that's got to be unbelievably frustrating for him. And the other thing I'm thinking about is, like, what does it say about Ohio State and its money sports that the, this is the kind of drama that seems to always erupt? you know, at the end of a coach's tenure? You know what I mean? Like, the mm -hmm. pressure involved, the amount of money involved, it just feels like it, this is a hard job. This is a hard-as-hell job, whether you're doing basketball or football, just because of the amount of pressure there is to win. And when you have that one amazing season like he had, you got to replicate it. Like, Ohio State fans expect you to do that every single year. And if you can't deliver, man, I, I just feel like it's it's a – man, it, it's, it ends badly. Well, guys, real it quick, does. on the history standpoint, isn't Gary Williams the only one to leave on his own accord? Yeah, like that's it. Like, yeah, all the rest have been run. I mean, you got to go back to the 50s well, he, in football. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. But here's the thing. I don't feel sorry for none of those guys. I don't sure. feel no. sorry for that, and I won't. Because you right. know how much money they're making? You right. want this job. This is where you want to be. You know, yeah. this is where you want to be. You reach the highs of the highs, and, and eventually it gets low, but – the time you're here, you're able to build relationships and a and a resume that is unbelievable. To where, yeah. if Thad really wants, he could get a job and he could have the North Carolina State job if he really probably wanted to. He can get into another major conference because I don't see an athletic director that wouldn't take a chance on Thad Mata. I give the man a lot of credit. He's run a very clean program. We don't see our guys going no. to jail or getting in no. trouble. And all. No, he's been a clean program for 13 years. And what athletic director wouldn't look at that and say, hey, I'll take that amount in a heartbeat. With all his wins, with the recruiting he's done, the way these guys have, have come to university and, and, and carried themselves, I would take him in a heartbeat. So, again, you're right. Things do get bad after a while, but hey, it's just like it sounds like relationships. <laughs> That's it, right? <laughs> well, it is, right? It sounds like relationships, you know? And, you know, Scoot, what you go just bad said, at times. They do. What's, what you said is, is this is interesting, and this kind of tells you where you are. Because you you said, and I agree, that he could get the NC State job. Five years ago, you could have said he could get the Carolina job after Roy leaves. That's who he was five years ago. He was he yeah. was that guy. He was, he was Kentucky, Carolina, Indiana. He was that type of guy. And now, that this is what happens in five years in basketball. He's only 49 years old, guys. I mean, it's not like he's 60. I mean, he's got the health issues, but he's only 49. Like, he, well, he this year is taking 10 years off 15 more alone. Years. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. You could, the last two years, I mean, you can tell just physically, you know, and he's got, you know, the physical stuff that he can't fix that, that he's been dealing with too. So, look, there's a lot of things here. Scoon, this was uh, uh, absurdly fascinating, as I knew it would be. Um, but one thing I saw today with you, uh, you're a businessman now, 
I mean, you always were. Yeah. But always you, you were, got a barber huh? shop, man. Is this you? You opened a barber shop? Yeah, it, it's been something I always wanted. You know, because I you, spent so much time in my life in a barber shop. Yeah. I go to barber shop every week. It's just, it's always a great place. It's a great community place, and I've always wanted one. And it's so great that I have one right on campus, right on 12th Ave in the heart of campus. Um, I've been excited about it. It's this the third week it's been open. Um, it's doing great. Um, the whole Buckeye theme is gonna be awesome. Probably in two weeks it'll be 100% done. I got to get a couple more of the jerseys, you know, in the in the frames to get put up on there. I have a I have a a scarlet wall and the rest of the wall is gray with a black ceiling. The chairs are red, you know, the whole Ohio State theme. And, and it's just I'm excited about it. I love it. I love the way it's going. I love the direction. I love the support. Uh, twelve on twelfth. It's on twelve. And let me explain why it's twelve on twelfth because it's on twelfth Ave. The building yeah. number is twelve, and I wore twelve at Ohio State. Right. Nice. Perfect. One, two, one, so two. twelve on twelfth. And on Wednesdays you get a twelve dollar haircut. So hey, that's awesome. I'm branding the hell out to twelve. <laughs> well, to, well, as you should. That's you. You know, one two one two. Anytime I did radio with you, mm-hmm. one two one two is with me, uh, or yeah. TV for you know that you matter. You started that, right? You know, you. Started I think that. I did. That's well, I hope, so. I, did. Like it, I, I hope so. If you like I, I it, I hope it. so. If you like it, I hope so. I love it. All right, cool. It. A lot of people say they one two one two, and not hey, that's all Bo. Bo did all that. Very good, very good. <laughs> the um the 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 cool thing when I and I just saw this today. Uh, when you tweeted it out, but what what's cool when you would uh, do radio with me, and I when I was doing the show with Rothman, I did the show whenever Rothman was gone, you filled in. Uh, you were mm-hmm. my first call to fill in, so I always had you fill in with me. And um, you would often say we would be like halfway through the show, and you would I'd say like we we'd be talking in the break, and you're like, hey, we were just talking about this at the barber shop, and then we would put it yeah. on the air on the segment, and and so I yeah. you when I saw this today that you were doing this, it just it's a perfect marriage because of how the reverence you have for that and the dialogue that happens at a barbershop. So I mean, I was just thrilled to see it and um, I, I know it'll be good. Everything you do is good. So I'm sure it'll be good. Um, and I'm really excited for you, buddy. And I encourage everybody listening to go check it out. And I, Hey, I'm in Columbus every Tuesday. I think you need to get tripped up here a little bit. I'm going to swing by. Yes. I'll buy And You know what I'm thinking? And what I'm going to have is I'm going to do a podcast from the barbershop. You should do that. Shop talk. That's fantastic. You absolutely so, do that. That's a genius yeah, idea. Yeah, we're going to do it. So this way, you know, customers and barbers, you know, we'll have a topic of the day. And, of course, majority time is sports. But we can get yeah. to whatever. Because people, there's so many different walks of life that come in there. Yeah. And you hear different point of views and different arguments. It's second to none. Like, yeah. it really is something that, you know, maybe our leaders in this country should maybe visit some barbershops and <laughs> have some conversations. And you can see Agreed. what people really think and feel. Yeah, let's you know get down to the nitty gritty because we're everyday people, and people come and express their ideas and their and their logics, and and, and it's priceless. It really is. Scooney, yeah. thank you so much for the time, buddy. Uh, we'll be in touch. I know you're going to do some TV with us in the coming weeks after you get back from the Buckeye mm-hmm. Cruise. Go oh, enjoy the Buckeye Cruise. I know you do. Uh, I will. So, so that's coming up. Enjoy that. Uh, give my best to your family, and really appreciate the time on a Tuesday, bud. Hey guys, take care. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you too. Thanks, man. And and look, I hope you enjoyed that. That's why you want to have Scooney Pen on because you get something with him that you don't get from anybody else. The candor is just off the charts. His ability to see 
the big picture in college basketball and basketball in general. You talking about anything. And if you go to that barbershop and he's there, you will be entertained. I promise you that, Johnny Ginter. And I, I recommend I'm gonna go there. I think you ought to, you and I maybe do a showdown. I want to live there. I want to get like an apartment <laughs> above there and just walk down every day so I can talk to freaking yeah. Stevie Penn about whatever I feel like. That was awesome. Yeah. I, that was probably he's one of the best good. interviews we've done. Yeah, he's that good. He's that good. Um, yeah. so uh, aside from all of that, um, the the other thing that happened today that I thought was a little interesting was Urban sent out a tweet. And this was like the, the tweet that wrecked social media for today for Buckeye fans and, <laughs> and followers and media. Yeah. Urban sends out a tweet about who's the next great quarterback at Ohio State. So they start this video pops up. If you haven't seen it, Urban tweeted it out. And it had a video of uh, the great quarterbacks at Ohio State. Herb Street's on there and Jermaine and um, Troy Smith, obviously, and Braxton, Krenzel. All these, all the guys who've played. There's one guy who's not on there, and that's Terrell Pryor. And I would argue that Terrell Pryor is is better than damn near every person who was who was on there. And of the of those guys, other than Troy Smith, I don't know that any of them accomplished more as a quarterback. Now, Craig Krenzel won a national championship, sure. but it wasn't because of Craig Krenzel, right? Terrell Pryor was the MVP of two BCS games. Yeah, two. I, I mean, I think you can. I think you make the argument that Krenzel did a lot of like super, like clutch, important he, he plays was. on the road he, to he that. He was, but he was also on great teams. Oh yeah, no, he had great the benefit teams. of maybe the best. Yeah, I don't want to take anything away from Craig. I'm not making. I don't want to make this about that. I'm just saying, sure. like, you people. If Terrell Pryor plays his senior year at Ohio State, he holds every Ohio State passing record and off total oh. offense record. Yeah. He yeah, rewrites I mean, the record book, and he played under an offense that yeah, did not take say, full yeah. advantage of his skills under right. a quarterback coach who I, I think is selling Amway. I mean, that, that's that's what he dealt with. I mean, do you remember that offense where yeah. it's I formation one, and then the next weekend it spread? Okay, so you want to throw him out because of of Tatgate, and you want to put it all on him, and that's what the university did. Fine, okay, he served his penalty. All right, he's been off campus for five years. He can't so he can't even be on camp. Hasn't this beloved kid? And did he was is he uh, innocent of wrongdoing? No, no, no. He wasn't. He was an entitled kid, but he's a kid who was enabled by Ohio State to run amok. They allowed him to run amok. He paid a severe price for that. Johnny, what pound of flesh is enough on Terrell Pryor? That was the phrase I was going to use, and then I was going to try to follow that with "he can't get blood from a stone." But I don't like. First of all, let's be honest here, okay? If you're talking about the accomplishments of some of the you know athletes that they featured in that little dealy there, pales in comparison to the raw athletic talent of Terrell Pryor. So you're just looking at it on a purely athletic standpoint. That, that's obvious. He should be considered as one of the best. But let's not pretend that a lot of these other guys were saints either, right? Like, right. I'm sure, I'm sure that many of them were possibly slip some money while they were playing, right? In fact, I know <laughs> that one of them was because one of them was actually right. suspended for it. So I That's right. like to pretend that, you know, Terrell Pryor is this, you know, the horrible person while everybody else is the saintly Ohio State quarterback, I think is insane. Uh, I think what he did in comparison to some of his peers at the same time is hilariously minor. And honestly, from a morality standpoint, I don't think he particularly did anything wrong, or at least what he was you know, in trouble for. I don't think that's really something he should have gotten in trouble for. So Agreed. in my personal opinion, I, I think it's absurd. I think the dude has paid his penance 
50 times over. He clearly is still an Ohio State fan. He still supports the university despite all of this BS. He deserves a place in fans' hearts, if only for being a quarterback during the Jim Bowman era and basically just asked right. to run around and make plays. So I think he's served his time, and I think he deserves to be, you know, maybe not in the pantheon, you know, the Heisman winners and stuff, but he deserves to be recognized as a very, very good quarterback who had a really good career at Ohio State. Johnny, I don't understand this from Urban's standpoint. And this, so this, this probably, yeah. Urban didn't know what he tweeted out, obviously, but sure. some video editor put that thing together. At some point, they said, do we include prior? And somebody said no. Yeah. And I don't know what the point of that is. Like, if this is for recruiting, and by the way, if this is for recruiting, Terrell Pryor is about ready to get paid as an NFL receiver. Oh, yeah. Like, if you start to go around, like, if you if you take Zeke Elliott and, and Bosa and Michael Thomas, you take that class, the urban guys, out of the mix, Terrell Pryor is as, is as a known commodity in the NFL as anybody that's from Ohio State. Right. Other than the, the urban guys, I mean, he's at th- that in one he transferred from quarterback to receiver in a year and is going to get paid. Like he's going to get paid big. So, but and the, and the reason I bring that up is because that video was put out as a recruiting tool. I mean, that's yeah. why they built it. You know, it was for that. Um, so I just was disappointed. I just feel like enough is enough on that dude. Like, did he did he walk the straight and narrow at Ohio State all the time? No. The people who enabled him went to the very top and right. nobody was excluded from it. And, and to hold him singularly responsible for it to me, is just ridiculous. And um, it, look, it's a video, so you don't, you know, it's a tweet, whatever, but it just seemed like a slap in the face. And I thought it was also a nice chance for an olive branch to be extended and, and he could get a little bit of the recognition he deserved for what he did on the field because he won two BCS games. I mean, that's what he did. He was a quarterback of two BCS games. And the game he played against Oregon in the Rose Bowl was as good a quarterback play uh, that you saw in the Trestle era in a bowl game. Yeah, I mean, that was as good as any that you saw in a bowl game from quarterback play under Trestle. He was that good against Oregon that day. And they were number one in the country for a lot of that time when he was there. They had huge expectations. He came in with higher expectations than anybody's ever walked into Ohio State University to play football. Other than maybe Chris Spielman, I wasn't here then. But when Terrell Pryor walked on campus, he was he was LeBron James of high school football. I mean, <laughs> we literally was, we had our nickname for him for a bit of time in Eleven Warriors was LeBron and Cleats. Uh, for that's, that's it, and that's not hyperbole, right? That's who he was. He was the consensus number one player in the country. Can't miss. That's what he was. Yeah, and and he kind of delivered on the field. Like he did pretty good. I mean, he's, yeah. That dude is not a bust. That dude is a pretty damn good football player. And imagine if he had Urban Meyer and his offense. God. <laughs> what, well, then you have Cam Newton. You know, I was have. looking at some of his. I was looking at some of uh, Pryor's highlights a little earlier today, and the fact that they're all from busted plays, just yeah. stupid plays, really, that were called for him. Mm-hmm. That he was like, "This is clearly not working for whatever reason," and that he had to make mm-hmm. something happen. The fact that almost all of his well-known memorable plays are from things like that should tell you what he was working with uh, as, you know, a player working with an offensive staff. And, and to have a guy like perhaps, you know, Urban Meyer, Tom Herman, somebody helping him out, I can't imagine what he might've been able to accomplish. Um, yeah. Just with his size. Do you remember his... that, how they would, do you remember that era, how they would on first down, they'd go in I formation and run it on <laughs> right. second down, they'd go and spread and throw it. I mean, it was just, they did this. There was no, they didn't even run an offense. They just ran plates. I mean, it was just yeah. ridiculous. So anyway, I, 
look, I, he's he's got a lot of fault. He made a lot of mistakes. Um, he's not perfect. Far from it. Um, no. It seems like he's learned from it. I know a lot of people that I really like don't like him at all. Think he's not a great person. Um, but I think he was really enabled. And I thought this was a chance for you know there to be an olive branch extended. And I was. I just, yeah, I don't know. It, it's one of those things where, first of all, I mean, if you're talking about like the tweet itself, I mean, it, it's super tone deaf in a lot of ways because, you know, kids who are going into to high school or who are going into college right now do not care about what happened, you know, when he got suspended and what. Nobody gives a crap anymore. So if you're, if you're talking about people you want to promote Ohio State, right? You want to promote the guy who is the Browns wide receiver who was probably the only competent you know, player on that team. Like you don't want to, per- you're not worried about, Oh God, if a, you know, a high school junior right now really gives a crap about whether or not he got suspended in, you know, 2010 or 2011, or whatever, nobody cares. You want to showcase what kids are watching now in the NFL and to not include him, I think is, is silly. Uh, just from a, a recruiting standpoint. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that, my friend. Um, all right. So we, we, we handled, we had Scooney handled our business there. Uh, the Terrell Pryor. I feel like we we handled social media there. Uh, do we have? To, you want to t- have time for some? Ask us anything. We got some time for some of that. Yeah, we just got a couple. We'll do this real quick. Okay. Uh, ask us anything. By the way, you guys can send us any question whatsoever at all that's percolating in your brain. You can send it to dubcast at elevenwarriors.com or at uh, eleven dubcast on Twitter. This is from our good friend Alvin. He wants to know what is your recommended off season winter blues alcoholic and non alcoholic beverage of choice. Well, it would be bourbon of some... You know what I've been doing now? I get these Luxardo cherries. Okay. I take a big rock, and I pour it in. I put it in a glass, and I pour three fingers of my favorite bourbon in it, and I put two of those Luxardo cherries in the bottom. It's like dessert in a tumbler. <laughs> that sounds pretty so that good. That would be my recommendation there. You can either either... You, what, what, what's, do you have a non-alcoholic? Do you have an alcoholic? I only I have alcoholic I mean, beverages for, for uh, relaxation. I don't drink a lot, but I mean, when I go out, I like to enjoy, you know, a whiskey occasionally, but I, I do like the darker, I, I try anything, but I like the darker beer, especially like Scottish reds, Irish reds. Um, that's right. You are a beer guy. Yeah. And I, I just, that's comfort food to me sometimes if I'm having a rough week and I want to have a nice dinner, I think that really helps out. Um, non-alcoholic though. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that there's a winter blues non-alcoholic drink. I usually think of like summertime fun, carbonation, you know, when I think about non-alcoholic drinks. Um, bold cider. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> something something that they would drink in like an Edgar Allan Poe poem, you know, like that. That's that's the kind of stuff that I think of when I think of like a sad winter scape, although it's like 70, 80 degrees in freaking Columbus, Ohio right now, which I don't. Yeah, it is crazy. It drives me crazy. Um, the last thing that I want to say here real quick. So this is the, this is the second one we got. I got a sequence okay. of three emails from uh, our friend uh, Wayne, uh, who put nothing in the body of his emails, but put the entirety of this in the, uh, the heading, the title of it. Okay. So, um, basically, he just kind of said, uh, you know, how much longer do we put up with Thad? Really angry, et cetera. But I want to I want to kind of go off something he he intimated in one of the titles of these emails. Do you care at all about the NIT? If the if Ohio State makes the NIT, will you be paying attention to those games no. at all? No. No. Okay. No. That's that's an incredibly honest and accurate response. I appreciate that. I mean, are you? I mean, I no. guess if like it's a Tuesday night <laughs> and I don't have anything to do and I, and I'm stumbling around, I might see if it's on. I'm not yeah. going to seek it out. 
I wouldn't yeah. go to the games if I was a you know a fan. Um, it's depressing. No, I, I, I wouldn't. I don't think I, I mean I talked about this last week. I don't the only time I think I've ever even remotely given a crap about the NIT was when they should have been in the tournament. They put them in the NIT and they just like ran all the way through it and just beat the crap out of everybody. But other right. than that, other than a really weird situation like that, I do not give a crap. I no. mean I'll I'll probably turn it on out of obligation and then turn it off after ten minutes because I don't have the patience for anything like that. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, people felt the exact same way. No, they had the the one year when they played at St. John. That was really cool because yeah. I got to see a game at St. John. Sure. But other than that, other than the, you know, there was not, I, no, I mean, <laughs> I'm not. I'm going to be into the NCAA <laughs> right. tournament. And frankly, as an Ohio State fan or supporter, uh, alumni, whatever, you know, that's, that's the expectation. Right. Is you're in the dance. Like you got to be in the dance. Yeah. And so yeah, he's, his anger is well founded in two straight years of not being in the dance. Yeah. Okay. So I told you a little bit before we started that I had something that was percolating on a little bit and I couldn't remember. Now, oh, yeah, I remember right. Ohio State women's basketball. Okay. Something that our, our dear friend Kevin puts a ton of time and effort into uh, reporting on and, and interacting with. They're having a pretty good run of it. They, they just had a great game against Maryland. They, they really, you know, kind of took them to the mat and, and did what they needed to do. Uh, how, are, you, are you following women's basketball at all, Bo? No. <laughs> no, I can't. I, I don't. It doesn't appeal to me. I, the, the sport is tough for me because it's like if you're not UConn, you don't have a chance. Sure. Um, the difference between UConn and everybody else is the size of the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Um, I think it's great. I think Kelsey Mitchell is phenomenal. It's great to watch. It's good for the school. They pay Kevin McGuff a million dollars a year to coach women's basketball. So this is the expectation, right? The yeah, he's delivering on the Big Ten if you're going to pay the coach a million bucks. So um, it, it's it's good to see him deliver on the contract. Um, I won't tune into it. I won't watch it. I'm just not interested in it. Um, but, you know, if they make a run, I'd be excited for them to make a run. And I'd be really supportive. But in terms of me taking – time out of my day to watch that won't happen will you dial in i maryland was second ranked in the country and and while i agree with you that uconn is like a professional team playing against middle school or like the you're right the golf is unbelievable uh if they make a run if if they start making some noise in the tournament and they get to like the elite eight or the final four you bet your ass i'm gonna watch that because if they if they become the team to end the streak and do something insane I want to say that I was there watching it and paying attention because that would be historic, especially where UConn is right now. I that would that would make my that would make up for the Ohio State men's basketball team, in my opinion. That would be unbelievable historic. That's crazy talk. I would love to watch that. That's crazy talk, Johnny. It is crazy talk, but I just I'm I need to cling to something. (laughs) You know what? The other thing that's really interesting about it, though, is if if is Kelsey Kelsey Mitchell's place in history, she will break every record statistically. She's going to. I think she's only like 300 points behind Gentile Lavender. She's like 150 behind Katie Smith. But in order for her to be considered the one of the great, and she's already one of the great, but if if for her to be the greatest Ohio State women's basketball player of all time, she's got to take a team to the Final Four, like Katie. Right. Like she's got to play. That's that's what she has to do because she's chasing ghosts now. I mean, she's chasing legacy. That's where she is. I mean, she's already statistically done stuff that's never been done. She's going to annihilate the record book. But in terms of being one of the greats and a, a jersey in the rafters, you know, sh- you got to get to that final four thing. 
I mean, she's probably going to get the jersey in the Raptors anyway because she's going to be the all-time leading scorer, and that's deserved. But if she right. wants to get in the Katie Smith category, that's she's got to get to a Final Four. Yeah, agree. I just I want to see it happen. I think that would be awesome for the program, and and I'm sure Kevin would be happy. So that's really all that's that's all about. So. <laughs> Well, good stuff, buddy. Uh, so this was great. We hope you enjoyed it. Please uh, subscribe wherever you get your um, your your podcasts and and rate us if you if you can on iTunes. We greatly appreciate that. And uh, we'll continue to be on Thad Watch as the as the weeks gather up. We're also getting closer to spring football, so we'll start doing some spring football previews over the next couple of weeks uh, as we roll on uh, Dubcast through uh, through the late winter and early spring, my friend. Absolutely, yeah, I'm excited. All right, we'll see you next week, buddy. See you next week.